Ah, it is a good day. Um, it is a good day to see your smiling faces. And even the ones that might not be smiling, we love you too. Uh, and so I just want to uh, remind you of something that this week uh, is Memorial Day, is, is tomorrow uh, observed and, and all of that. And I got a notification this last week that there is this holiday that might get overlooked because earlier on in the month we celebrated in a different way. But this particular week was when Star Wars was released, <laughs> way back when. You can go to the next slide. So there, there you go. Star Wars A New Hope, the true start to May, and also with you. And so, uh, <laughs> so more than just me loving Star Wars and endeavoring and wanting my kids to also share that love, um, I actually, there's a reason why I'm mentioning it right now. So one of the key factors in Star Wars, I'm sure you're aware if you've seen it, or even if you saw the beginning of it and you slept through all the rest of it like my mom does, um, you've heard of this idea of the force, right? Now, now for some of you, don't clutch your pearls too soon. So, uh, but my point of bringing up the force is that it's this, it's this mysterious thing that, that binds the whole universe of Star Wars together and it's this thing that gives the Jedi their powers, right? And helps them be able to do all these amazing, crazy, awesome things. Now, uh, why I bring all this up is today is actually a different holiday. Uh, more than just Memorial Day, more than just the week that Star Wars happens to have been released once upon a time, it's actually Pentecost Sunday. Um, this is the day that we celebrate and remember when the church over 2,000 years ago was born. Before that, there was no church as we know it today, or even like the hints and whispers and beginnings of. It started one particular day. What's amazing, you can go to the next slide. So what's amazing about Pentecost uh, this is my nice transition in. The thing about Pentecost is that it isn't just a Christian thing. It's actually, um, the word Pentecost means uh, 50, um, and it was set as a Jewish holiday 50 days after Passover. And so, as we discovered 50 days ago, believe it or not, um, is that Jesus rose from the dead right after Passover. Hallelujah. Amen. That's, that's why the church exists too. But something special happened when Jesus rose from the dead. He appeared to his disciples for a period of time, which we'll cover in just a moment. But then there comes a point where he ascended into heaven where he's now sitting at the right hand of the Father. And some time after that, the day of Pentecost, 
happened and what was going on in that particular day. We'll talk about it far more at the end of the message. But what happened was that this holiday was actually, it was the festival of first fruits. It was when all the harvesters would bring the first fruits of their crops and they would come and make an offering in the temple. And they would bring it before the Lord as a way of recognizing, God, you have brought us this far. We are trusting in your faithfulness to carry us through the rest of the harvest and to bring about a good and bountiful crop because God is good and he is faithful to his people. And so from all over the known world at that time, from way west to way east, everywhere in between and all the directions, all the Jews from the dispersion of Jews around the world all gathered in this one place in this one time to celebrate the Feast of Weeks is what it's called, but the harvest basically, first fruits, right? All those words, they, they are, they're synonymous with each other. And so today, we celebrate not just first fruits, but we celebrate something called Pentecost. And what that was was when the church was born. And so you can go to the, the first, the, the next slide. So the title for today's message is going to be called The Gift of the Holy Spirit. And our passage is going to be the book of Acts chapter 1, verses 3 through 8. And the big idea we're going to be exploring together is that when we receive the promise of the Father, we will realize his kingdom here. When we receive the promise of the Father, we will realize his kingdom here. So without further ado, I don't think I have another slide beyond this. Um, let's go ahead and turn in our Bibles together to Acts chapter 1. And we'll begin in verse 3. If you'd like to follow along on the screen, you're welcome to do that as well. Here we go. He, meaning Jesus, he presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And we'll stop there. Okay. First things first. Jesus mentions the Holy Spirit. 
And there is a lot of mystery around the term, the Holy Spirit. There's a lot of mystery around what we mean when we say the Holy Spirit. So I'm going to take a moment. I didn't include this in the notes, but we're together, right? We're tracking? Okay, so let's take a moment and say what we really mean or say what I really mean when I say the Holy Spirit. Unlike Star Wars, the Holy Spirit is not just some weird, intangible force that is, is mysterious and weird and only the Jedi know how to use it. That's not the Holy Spirit. I know that's a big letdown for all of us who really wanted a lightsaber, but you know, that's not who the Holy Spirit is. The Holy Spirit is God. He is God. He is a person. He is someone you can relate to. Because he is God, that means you can actually pray to the Holy Spirit. You can carry on a conversation with the Holy Spirit, just like when we pray Father in Heaven or when we say we address Jesus in our prayers, we can pray to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is a person. He is not just a power that can be wielded at our own will. He is God. And we could spend a whole long time just unpacking who the Holy Spirit is, what the Holy Spirit does. My hope for the future at some point is to do a series like that. But I want to make that clear, even though I used that illustration at the beginning, is that the Holy Spirit is not just some power that we can use at our whim. He is God. And that means that he, he carries in his personhood all the substance and godness that makes him God and special and unique and set apart. It's what means that you know, he is God and I'm not. And it, it, it's this whole dynamic there. And so the Holy Spirit is that throughout Scripture, the Holy Spirit is referred to as the Spirit of the Lord. The, there's other terminologies, but there's also different symbolism that goes along with the Holy Spirit throughout Scripture. One is water, uh, is, is one of uh, those, another is oil, and another is fire. And on that topic, today, Jesus mentioned in our passage that, uh, you know, to wait in Jerusalem uh, until, uh, you know, well, let me just read it. Here we go. In verse 5, where it says, John baptized you with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. <clears throat> and then he goes on to clarify that in verse 8 by saying, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. So Holy Spirit's still a person, and yet, as Spirit, he doesn't have like a physical body like you and I do, but you can still relate to him. And he is powerful, and we experience God's power through the Holy Spirit. 
Everybody tracking with me so far? Okay, cool, awesome. So, parentheses over. Here we go. First thing I see in our passage is that Jesus gave us a message and a reality to carry and spread. He gave us a message and a reality to carry and spread. So there at the beginning, Jesus, he rose from the dead, something like on your own, you're not supposed to be able to do. You're supposed to stay dead when you're dead. Come on. Um, but he didn't, and he paved this way for us to, you know, experience new life in him. He didn't just stay dead. He rose from the grave. We've covered that before. But what's fascinating to me about the beginning of the book of Acts is that Jesus only had 40 days from the time he rose to the time he ascended into heaven. He only had 40 days to wrap up and like give all the reinforcing talks to his disciples to make sure they've got it down pat. <laughs> and what did he spend his time talking about? Well, you know, that budgetary stuff, you really need to get that on lock. You know, there's going to be people, they're just going to grind your gears and they're just going to frustrate the, the joy right out of you. No. Instead, what he did, he talked about the kingdom of God. It's the same message he's been telling his disciples for three years. What's fascinating is that it is so important to Jesus that his disciples know that they know that they know about this because he's about to peace out and go up and be with his Father in heaven. <laughs> and yet, what he does is he wants to make sure they know about the kingdom of God. So he teaches them, continues to reinforce that teaching over 40 days. That's the message that he had communicated. Now, the reality that is being described in that phrase, kingdom of God, is the fact that God is king of his kingdom and that his will is perfectly done in that place. And that as the savior of the world come to save you, me, and everybody. Jesus didn't just come to die on the cross. He did that, and I'm so grateful. He also, as a part of that whole work of his, you know, whole life's work that he did, is to establish the kingdom of God in you and around you so that in your life, God is king in this place, this place, and that his rule and reign and will and all of that is done ideally perfectly in here and in here, and that what we would be doing as we go about our life would be sharing the good news of the kingdom with everybody we meet. Now, how that happens, how we participate in that, we receive by faith salvation. Praise God. Praise God. We are, 
we receive forgiveness of sins because of what Jesus did on the cross. And we have new life. And not only that, even though we have, we're, we're still living in the flesh of this body, that we can still carry the kingdom in here and everywhere we go. And so, first and foremost, what I see is that Jesus is, he's reminding his disciples that he gave them a message and a reality to carry. Now, one of the illustrations in scripture to talk about the coming kingdom, which the Jews thought was, had kind of more of a limited view of it. They thought God was only going to just restore the state of Israel and establish them among the nations and everything would be good for them. Instead, God gives this image in the prophets of a stream in the desert where we get to see this reality breaking into a dead place where now all of a sudden there once was death or at least the appearance of death because if you've ever taken a desert science class, you know there's a bunch of life in the desert. But life to dead places, we see a river going through the wilderness and there is life there. So too, similarly, <laughs> when we carry the kingdom of God that God has planted in our hearts by faith, everywhere we go, we carry that stream with us everywhere we go. Because even though you may have walked in here this morning feeling broken and beat down and rough in a, a bad place, there is still hope for you. Not only that, that hope that is for you is for other people as well. Amen. And we get to help share that everywhere we go. And so, when we receive what Jesus called the promise of the Father, we will realize his kingdom here. We're going to see it. We're going to see it taking place. We're going to see it taking root in our lives, in your life and mine. You can go to the next slide. So the second thing I see is that Jesus said to wait because there is more. Now, this is a staggering thought, and, and please don't pick up your stones too quick from what, for what I'm about to say, because really, this is a staggering thought. So at this point, for the apostles, uh, they've been walking with Jesus, they've been following him, uh, they, by faith, because they believe he is who he said he is, they believe in his uh, death and resurrection, because it's there, and they, they know it, they, they receive it. They have forgiveness of sins. Uh, for Peter, he's also free uh, of some of those, you know, because of the forgiveness, he's free from all the guilt of having denied Jesus and has been reinstated, so that's a good thing. And yet, what's fascinating to me is that even so, Jesus says, there's more. And yet, for many of us, we stop just at forgiveness, which is important. Don't, don't misunderstand me. But we stop there. We stop at 
the fact of justification when we have faith in Christ. We stop there, and it's Jesus is suggesting there's more for you and for me. In him, not just for our jollies or whatever. Like, it's there is more in him, in his kingdom, in what he has to offer you and me in this life and in the next. And so what this makes me think of is the idea of receiving something. So if Jesus says there is more, cool, great. But, and not just there is more, but I need to wait for it. What am I going to be doing in the waiting? Well, one of the things is to be focusing on him and to be taking a posture of receiving. And so, I'm, I'm sure in different, you know, inspirational pictures around uh, or on Facebook or whatever, you may have seen like some inspirational quote. And there's somebody with some open hands and you think, oh, that's cute. Um, or maybe you've been in a worship service before and there's people that are raising their hands. Maybe even today, I was too focused on drumming at the time to, to look at y'all. Uh, or maybe there's some people who have their hands out like this. I want to suggest to you that posture can be a really important thing in yours and my life. Where if you are in a place of worship or a place of devotion between you and the Lord, sometimes it's important to open up your hands. Now, there's nothing magical or, you know, weird or mystical about this whole thing. It's just literally physically in faith saying, God, you have something for me. It seems like I may not have the fullness of that. Can I have it? And what's a beautiful thing about that is the character of our God is that he is a good, good father. And he is a father who gives good gifts if you ask for the Holy Spirit to be more in your life, for you to at least experience more of him in your life. Maybe, you know, he's already there, but you just, you want to experience that more, that Jesus is suggesting, ask him and take that posture of saying, okay, God, not just because Pastor Tim said it, but because your word kind of says it, and it seems like you want, wanted your disciples to wait, so I'm going to wait, so I'm going to be expecting you to work in some kind of a way. I want to be ready. I want to be open to what you have for me. Amen? So my, my challenge to you and for me today is that if it's true, if this big idea of what I'm saying is that when we receive what Jesus called the promise of the Father, that is the Holy Spirit in your life. When we receive the promise of the Father, we realize his kingdom here. And if somehow there seems to be this, this step nature in our walk with the Lord between us just receiving the rescue and us receiving the fullness of what he has for us, friends, let's get after it. Let's pursue 
the Lord. Not just gifts, not just signs, not just stuff or blessings or all of that. Let's pursue the Lord because remember, the Holy Spirit is a person. When you receive a person, you open yourself up, right? You don't close yourself off unless you're introverted. <laughs> and even then you're like, hi, <laughs> right? You know, but there's a vulnerability there. And the beautiful thing is that God, he's not going to come at you with all his judgment. His heart is a heart of love to you. What's beautiful about our God is that he has every right to judge us. But instead, he extends his grace and his kindness to you and me. I don't deserve to have the Holy Spirit in my life any more than you do. And yet it's his kindness that pours that out. Where Jesus said to his disciples, wait, you're not going to believe this. There's something better than me even being here. And it's about to come. Let's get after it. So, there's more. So, you can go to the next slide. Okay, I'm going to try my best not to cry about this one. Okay, so number three, last point, is that Jesus promised power with purpose. Like I said before, you know, he didn't, he's not just wanting to like, supercharge Christian style. Like, that's not, not his, his aim. Uh, sorry, that's for the younger people in the audience. So, but you know what I mean? Like, that's not, it's not like comic book superhero kind of thing, like, ugh, yeah. But Jesus, he made this promise. He didn't say it might happen. He said it, it actually would happen. In verse 8, he says, but you meaning his disciples who were there, and by extension, I would submit to you, you and I today, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And so the power part, that, that's kind of understandable, where God is the one who's providing the source of, of stamina behind this initiative, but the purpose of the empowerment is to witness. Witness to what? To the kingdom. To the king of the kingdom who saw fit to give his life on yours and my behalf so that we could be forgiven and find new life in him. That witness the witness of the fact that there are people in this room, I know you, and you know me, but like the point is, is that like there are people who are racked with addictions and there is freedom in Jesus' name. There are people who experience all kinds of brokenness in this world and there is freedom, there is hope, there is wholeness for you and for me. We get to witness to that. And one of... Man, 
the awesome blessings that Jesus gives us is that he says, I want to give you the Holy Spirit. Wait for it. He's going to come. He's going to be there. And it's going to knock your socks off. And you're going to be my witnesses. And the purpose here is like, so Jerusalem, that's the city where they were. Judea, that's the region they were. Samaria is the place they didn't really like to talk about. And then the ends of the earth was everywhere. Like as far as you could even imagine and beyond. So for us, that would be like Florence. And, and the central coast area and Mapleton. And I'm just kidding. We love Mapleton too. But, you know, and to the ends of the earth, to all, you know, Lord save the United States, you know? And so my point being, though, is that, like, that's some perspective on, like, when Jesus was saying these geographical locations for these people, it's like, those were real places for them where they could say, I'm tracking with you, Jesus. I get it. Now, what this makes me think of, oh, okay, here we go, hold on, is that, um, so on April 9th of 2016, I was a senior pastor in Albany. Um, I won't go into all the details of that whole season, but I had this opportunity to go with some friends uh, to travel. I traveled up to Oregon City to drive back down I-5 uh, to go to an event called Azusa Now. Um, and it was held by this one organization. And the, the main call of this, this event was that there was an outpouring of the Holy Spirit that happened at what's historically called the Azusa Street Revival. Amazing, incredible things happened at that, that one that was in like 1909 or something. Long, long time ago. But then there came this point where this one minister thought, you know, we need a fresh outpouring today. <laughs> we need the Holy Spirit to show up today. We need, we need the Lord. And there was a lot that went into the event. I won't go into that. But what was beautiful about this event is everybody gathered in L.A. Coliseum, thousands of people. That's a, a, a picture of, of that event there. And I got to be there for that. And what was beautiful for me, everybody was moaning about the rain because it was drizzling the whole morning. And still the Koreans were going hard in the paint, praying like God couldn't hear him. And, you know, like, you know, it was just this beautiful, beautiful time of all these brothers and sisters from all over just joining together to remember this one particular day. And, um, man, there's a lot of memories from the, that day. But for me, the witness that I have is that uh, so this one minister, Jack Hayford, got up and he gave a, a certain word of encouragement to everybody. And he was such a brilliant man. He's gone on to be with the Lord now. But um, everybody, like I said, was moaning about the rain. And he, he, he kind of, he rebuked the congregation, all thousands of us. And he said, look, I see this rain as a confirmation that the Holy Spirit is here, that he is, you know, he is, 
he's marking this moment with his presence. And from that place, all thousands of us scattered and took that moment with us everywhere we went. Now, the thing about Pentecost was you had these thousands of people flooding Jerusalem and they all got to see and witness the power of God on display when the Holy Spirit came upon the disciples. And they heard the good news about Jesus from these disciples. And Peter, Lord bless him, you know, he was just a fisherman, but he gave one knockout sermon and 3,000 people were saved that day. Yeah. Amen? Now, but what we get wrong about that particular moment is that those 3,000 people didn't just stay there they carried that witness and that salvation and that news everywhere they went. For you and I today, I want to see revival here in Florence. I want to see God moving here in Florence. Here's the thing. We're a small town. Even if everybody got saved, there's going to come a point where we're going to scatter and we're going to take that witness with us everywhere we go. Because Jesus promised power. He didn't say it might happen. He didn't say, well, maybe if you're really good. Maybe if you really show up, it'll be fine. He said, wait, the Holy Spirit will come upon you in power. And so when we receive the promise of the Father, the Holy Spirit, God the Father promised that to you and me. We will realize this kingdom here. Let's pray.